I'm no professional trainer, um, but my results speak otherwise, and that's just who I am. Dog Notebook Podcast, a podcast featuring the stories, trips afield, and legacies that are left following great gun dogs and classy bird dogs. I'd like to thank my sponsor, the Pride Dog Food, for their excellence in performance dog nutrition and Orvis for allowing me the written platform for my outdoor writing. I'd also like to thank the other friends and contributors that make this gun dog community such a great thing. Thanks for listening. This is the next episode of the Gun Dog Notebook, hosted by Darrell Smith. Okay, guys. All right. So, part two. Let's talk about part two of uh, the Gun Dog Notebook with Anthony Farrow of Fetch and Feathers. Um, I posted that part in the beginning because that just really showed me who Farrow's who Pharaoh's spirit really is. Um, this particular episode is very special because uh, about a day or so, two days ago, there was a, a pretty tragic house fire that happened while Pharaoh was gone and everything was burned down. Every other dog was removed from the house and saved, but Gnarly and Radar. And it was totally unexpected. Um, honestly, like, we're I'm dedicating this episode to Gnarly and Radar because they deserve it. Anthony deserves it. And... The continuation of part two, uh, we delayed it a little bit because of the, I mean, because of the tragedy. We, I, I didn't feel like it was appropriate to continue. Well, today, earlier today, after I got out of school, and I've been checking on Anthony for the last few days and really developing a friendship with he and uh, his girlfriend and really communicating with them. Um, Anthony, after we had recorded, we had really started communicating more and more. And I'm, I was starting to realize that he was becoming more of a special person to me. But also, more importantly, as we spoke and developed and connected with each other, uh, I started realizing the impact that Fetching Feathers and Anthony Farrow um, and the story of Gnarly and Radar, his story, their story. Um, I started realizing more and more 
what I already knew, but it was knowing him started to become more confirmation of that. And what I mean is Anthony Farrow has shown in the last few days to be, to me, and I can imagine a lot of others, somewhat of a sage in the Upland world. And I said Upland icon for a reason. I don't know why I did earlier. It was none of, maybe it was some kind of foreshadowing or something. But this episode and the continuation of my friendship with Anthony Farrow, um, the collaboration of the Gundog Notebook and Fetch and Feathers and everything, um, this episode is going to be dedicated to that but also to the Upland world. And this is what I had to say about that. I am extremely proud and extremely honored to be welcomed to a community like this one. The wing shooting, Upland bird hunting, duck hunting, all of that community because everybody stepped forward to help Anthony Farrow. I mean, and it was immediate. It was immediate. And I that just lets me know that there is a lot of passion and hope that still remains in the human spirit. And you can only get that from nature and engagement and authenticity. So for that, I just really want to thank everybody for stepping forward, everybody in the Upland hunting world that stepped forward to start GoFundMes and, and, and help him replenish the plot. Everybody. That was so nice. Like, and we're all so many miles apart. And the only thing that we got connecting us is social media a lot of the times. Anthony and I have been communicating more and more. And he's becoming very much so a friend. We're going to visit each other. That's going to happen. He's going to come to Atlanta. And it's just, it makes me proud to see all of this. We can sit and talk trash about each other's dogs laugh, drink beers, do whatever we do that comes with being a part of this. But at the end of the day, everybody came together to help Anthony get it, get, bring, at least get some kind of recovery and, and, and be there to support him. I mean, it, it was just amazing to watch that. And so then I want to speak on why I think Anthony Farrow is so strong and why I think he is so significant in this industry. After I got out of work today at 3.30, um, I called him just to check on him. And... Gnarly, by this point, we have been all waiting. And uh, he finally uh, went on to heaven. And uh, I, I called Anthony, and of course he answered. 
said, hey, bud. And I was like, hey, what's up, man? You know, and of course, how I got to ask, how are you feeling? And I know the answer to that. And he was like, well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure you can imagine. I was like, yeah, I know. And, you know, I, I just felt so bad because something like that should never happen to anybody, but especially someone like him. I mean, I said, well, Anthony, I honestly, bro, like I don't really know what else to say. I'm, I want to be here, but I'm kind of at a loss for words. And Anthony goes, you know what you can say? I was like, well, what's that? You can say it on a podcast. You can go ahead and produce, publish part two of my episode. I cannot sit back and weep and fall victim to to that. I got to keep moving forward. Put out part two. That moment there to be on the phone with somebody who has just gone through that entire tragedy we just met, but I thoroughly respected this man from so far away. And to hear that, to be in that moment on the phone with him and to hear that said, that was just so empowering. It was, it was, it's almost surreal. So then Anthony proceeds to uh, do something about it. Be proactive about the moment, I guess. I guess if that's what you want to call it. Um, he says, I'm going to start a charity for folks who lost their pets in major tragedies like that. I'm going to call it GNR for Gnarly and Radar. So, folks, stay tuned for more details on that. But that hopefully should tell you just what type of person Anthony is. It's not limited to dogs. It's pets. Because no one else should have to go through that and not feel the support and what I witnessed and was happily involved in and very much so engaged uh, on a very deep level. What I witnessed was everybody in the Upland community, however best they could come together to support one of our most beloved figures in the uplands. So I want to definitely tribute this episode to the legacy of Gnarly and Radar in the beginning of Anthony Farrow's next stage of greatness. And that's definitely from the bottom, 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 bottom of my heart.
So when you guys listen to this episode, think about part one, piece it together. And then listen to this one real, 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 real deep. Really hear Anthony this time. Understand the strength of this man and, and how much of a sage he is and, and, and understand everything that we have going on. All right. Well, I know that was a lot, but I had to take that moment, guys. Um, here is part two of Anthony Farrow fetching feathers in a gun dog notebook. Honestly, Anthony, I would not have called you if I did not believe in what you're doing, sir. No, I appreciate <laughs> So, trust Any me. Any opportunity. You know, I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, not something I take lightly. I'm not one of those, you know, oh, I'm on another podcast. Like, dude, this is a... You have any idea how uh, my heart rate and my hands were trembling the first five minutes of this conversation? <laughs> dude, straight up, like I'm every time is like the first time for me. Reveling the first, like shit, we yeah. didn't even talk about the film yet. We yeah, didn't go to the film. We didn't go to the magazine. We didn't talk about Flambo. Mm-hmm. None of it. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, there was just like forget all of that, man. Like, just to be able to have the conversation. Yeah, uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak about my passion. Oh, we gonna do it, man. Well, I uh, like I said, I'm gonna chop this up once we get through it because i mean if you if you cool with time i do want to get through all them questions and i'll chop it up and make it to you know two podcasts so i got you however there. you want to do it cool cool While cool I'm sitting here pacing in the kitchen right? <laughs> well since you since you did bring it up i like to brag on you a little bit more and you know i do stuff with project upland aj is a beast he's a boss Nick Larson, all of those guys, they're, they're great folks. And I'm really loving what Project Upland um, is bringing. I'm loving the energy, and they've given me the platform to write for them. And you, sir, are on the cover. How does it feel? Uh, oh, man. <laughs> uh, I, I guess the best way for me to put it... Um, I have it the rest of my life. Yeah. When 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 I can't hunt and I can't stand anymore and I can't get in the field and run dogs and I can't hold a shotgun up in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got this, man. Yeah. That's uh, the film and this. Like that's that's it. I don't I don't care about if fetching feathers is just exactly what it is right now. Mm-hmm. A guy who hunts birds, it turns into nothing. Like, man, this is, um, this is life changing. I, I don't know that I, I, out of all of the hundreds of thousands of millions of people that are bird hunting. Mm-hmm. Number one, how do I get this opportunity to do this film? You know, like why, why me out of everybody that's putting content out there that everybody that's taking real photography mm-hmm. compared to mine like there's so much more going on out there and you know so that that's the question that i ask myself a lot leading into it you yeah. know and then to for it to transition into um their push and their above growing from from a visual media and into more of a tangible media with the print and like to be on the cover of issue zero uh, AJ and, and Chad and the whole 
project upland crew i, I cannot say thank you enough mm-hmm. um, it, it, it's like i said for me it's a, it's about the end uh it, it's something that i can look back on like i said when i can no longer do it i'm gonna have something to say Phew, right i was one bad son of a shut your mouth <laughs> <laughs> so uh, man so humbled so grateful it has given me the platform and help me grow and get me in front of some of the industry folks and um, just what what an experience what an ex- what an awesome experience and not only that but but look 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 at the main piece up front forget about my mug it's gnarly yeah the one that started all of this and uh-huh. the name of my film was Revel in the first uh-huh. my first bird dog my first chucker my first trip to Idaho my first you know, a cover magazine, my, my first film, like this is all about gnarly without mm-hmm. that dog. I, nobody would know who I am. It, it, it's that dog, that little 500 dog in Cocker city, Kansas on some podunk, nobody farm. That dog right there has put me where I am. Mm-hmm. Got me the film that, uh, speaking with the folks that I am and the little BS publishing writing that I've done, like that dog has done it all for me. A, dog, a four legged dog, uh, that that doesn't survive if I don't feed it. Like a, I don't know, man. It just blows my mind. Mm-hmm. I I mean, what I, that kid has done for me, man. Unreal. Man, that's that's a blessing, is what it is. And I'm I'm proud of you. You know, we ain't talked a whole lot, but I was damn excited to see you on that front color cover. I, because it just makes sense, honestly. It does. Um, I think I not that I. It matters what I think as far as the decision for the cover, but having Issue Zero and having it in your hands and seeing it online and all the buildup and stuff like that, dude, you are an Upland icon and you should you should be on the front. I mean, it just makes too much sense, man. You know, so I'm just, I'm excited for you. And then Revel in the First, that video, do you know how many times I've watched that video, man? Not as many times as I have. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Straight up. And I I mean, you know, time again, there is not one single time in the over 200 times I've watched that film that tears don't come to my eyes. Mm -hmm. Every time I've I've seen it, tears come to my eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just so crazy to, like, see myself in my element, to, to hear myself, like articulate my feelings and how how I work my way through the process, the mental process, the mm-hmm. hunting process, the mm-hmm. scouting process, the harvesting process. Like it was just so crazy to to experience and, and see that man. Wow. Crazy. Well and and actually that you said something that leads me right into my um one of my listener questions and crazy enough, my good old wife actually wanted to know something from you. Um I didn't realize she had submitted hey, a question. Hey, right. She submitted a little question. Okay. Okay. So what she wanted to do, talking about process, she watches me go through a certain routine and all of that stuff, right? Like before I get to hunting, there's a certain type of music that I listen to and just all kinds of stuff. It's a very specific thing. Um, and I know for a film as, as big as Rebel in the First and just anything that you do, even just as much as you hunt now, she wanted to know what is your pre-hunting routine when you're on the road to any of the spots? Mm. <laughs> I wish I had a cool answer for that. But I, really, <laughs> I really don't have a cool answer for that. I mean, my pre-game is pretty standard. 
All my collars are out, shards. Mm -hmm. Check through all that. I got a regular pair of socks, backup pair of socks. I got a starter pair of boots. I got a backup pair of boots. Mm -hmm. I always bring a backup battery for my Garmin mm -hmm. handheld in case for whatever reason it dies and I can't lose dogs out west. Right. I always bring a backup Garmin GPS collar in case one of my dog collars goes down. I make sure my first aid kit's ready. Q5 vest is loaded up. Other than that, that's it. I don't. I don't cook a certain breakfast. I don't have a certain drink. I don't, uh, uh, and my motor just like, it doesn't allow me to stop right. at the gas station that morning. Right. Mine is all preemptive. Truck's already loaded up. If I need snacks, that happened last night. Right. I'm not picking you up and, oh man, I gotta stop and get a coffee. Well, you ain't getting a coffee this morning because this truck isn't stopping until we get to the parking spot. Yep. Yes, so uh, that's my process. Wake up and get to the parking spot as quick as I possibly can. I'm here for <laughs> Look, wake up, get to the money, right? <laughs> that's Or supper on the table. It all translates. It all translates. And that's so, that's so interesting, you know, because my biggest thing, my only routine that I, or not my only routine, but because I think, all, I mean, I'm a school teacher. I have to have a routine throughout the week. But on the weekends when I get going to hunting or, you know, if I can scoot out in the middle of the week and get something in, for me, it's a mandatory coffee. Um, it's a mandatory coffee. That's going to happen. I don't know what it is mentally that it does. I think it's just the act of drinking it and just thinking. Because, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to piece together what the game plan is that day. So somehow the active drinking coffee triggers that that thought process for me. You know, getting like you say, having everything done the night before. That's me. Yep. You know, um, yep. and, and yep. even the music. I'm very particular about the music that I have going on in my head. And I, you know, I listen to all kinds of different stuff: rap, hip hop, country, rock, whatever the case may be. And you know, there are just certain songs that put me in the mind state. Of um, you know, of, of being out in the uplands, but also one thing that I do like to do before I even really take out a gun or something like that is just park the truck once we get there and just look at the landscape, just look at it, enjoy it before you you know take anything from that place. You need to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I mean, it's just respect. It's respect for the land, respect for nature. Um, and just just putting your mind in the right place, man. Like I'm not caught up on bringing in birds all the time. It's just not. I just want to get out there with my dogs and appreciate, you know, the the glory of what it is that we live in every day. And and we get so jaded by, you know, urban and suburban life. Folks don't just take time to stop. Mm -mm. <laughs> just stop and look like that. And so that's my routine. Just once we get to the spot, just stop and look, observe, enjoy. That's it. I like it. <laughs> I like all of that. You know what though, Ashley, now that, uh, I fail, I feel like I fail. I accept your challenge and your question and I'm put together a routine. And yeah. I'll let you know what it is. Okay. All right. She uh, she actually just walked around, but I'm I'm gonna get her back on uh, once she get here, and I'm gonna get her to bug you some more. But um, <laughs> she just she lit it right before you said she just walked around the corner for a quick little second. Um, no worries. But <laughs> she actually really really enjoys your um your social media as well, and actually is really um, she's 
really big into like motivational speeches and stuff like that. And I mean, she does brag to me a bit about your page. Like, that's dope. <laughs> and for someone like like her who didn't grow up in the uplands and stuff like that, she didn't grow up hunting. I was literally the only person that really introduced it to her. You know, she's getting, my wife is getting so much more out of your content, man. Because again, it, it just, it goes beyond hunting. Yeah. So I mean, you're helping you. You helping my case <laughs> for me getting out. Yeah, hunting. Your house is my house. Not you I'm not going too far. Your wife ain't my wife, but your house is my house. I help you out. Hey, I'm here for it, man. I appreciate it, and vice versa. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I, I appreciate it. Uh, it's always been something that that I've been good at. Um, I'm not sure I always embraced it. Mm -hmm. It's really easy for me to tap into the emotions of the hunt mm -hmm. to to tell the story to to see the bigger picture behind things and um I'm, I'm, i've been been blessed that I, I have a way of articulating it to where people can understand it mm -hmm. and, and and relate to it and feel it mm -hmm. and um the problem other than the commercializing of things which is a necessary evil by the way but yeah. the, the problem with that is we're losing authenticity mm -hmm. and uh, it, it's hard to find a page or a clothing line or uh, any anything any is truly authentic that comes off as genuine mm -hmm. that, that that isn't something forced or thought about right. it's, it's not scripted it's not written down on a piece of paper preempted to give you this idea of, well i better say this and let's say that and, oh i don't want to forget this like what happened to just being like real and, and whatever happened, happened, whatever mm -hmm. came out, came mm -hmm. out, whatever the dog did, the dog did, whatever the shooter did, it did like what happened, like, like, let just like just slow things down. Like you said, let's just keep things organic. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It, it's, it's why things have become the way they are on my end is because I have had the ability to just be me. And, and it, it's hard to just put that stuff out there. And I get messages about whatever happened to just be a bird hunter, posting big birds. Right. Well, if that's what you're into, then I'm, I'm not okay. Well, go to a like on Instagram page. Like, I'm not mad about that. And if you don't like me, then just don't follow me. Why take the time to send me a message, bro? Right. Right. He's up. Right. I mean, it's. So. Yeah. That's it, man. I, I, I enjoy inspiring people. What a lot of people may not understand for me. Is that when I write those things, I'm, I'm, I'm writing them because I probably need to hear it myself. Yeah. Um, everything that I say, it's not me preaching to you. It's it's preaching to me out loud. It's my inner monologue and the things that I think and feel and say. The, all of the miles of kicking dirt by myself with no one to talk to other than watching my dogs speak through the field as they hunt. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that transpire in my head of like the feelings that I have, listening to my feet crunch and, and switch grass and then when we switch and how it is on rocks, like paying attention to the process. Uh, when I when I go on hunting trips, I don't sleep in hotels and motels. I sleep in the back of my truck. I got a little truck system set up. I can't. I want to stay in the elements. Mm -hmm. I, it's like you said, you, you pull up to the field and, and you check it out. You, you enjoy it. You, you check the, the, where the wind's blowing, how the, how the field is laid out. What do the valleys look like? Where are our cut trees? Where might be the food source? Where's the water at the birds are traveling to this morning, right? Mm -hmm. Taking in that process, like, 
there's so much to be had than just walking around in orange and tan. And oh, did you see me shoot that rooster? Yeah, man. Right. We saw you shoot the rooster. Did you see the dog work? Right. Right. Were you even paying <laughs> attention to the dog? Yeah. Right. Right. Did you see what I did? Well. I, I don't want to take it from you, bud, but your dog did that. <laughs> Larry's dog did that. You know, and quite honestly, if you want to get it down to brass tacks, God did that. Right. But that's a little bit too much for most people to hear, so we keep it PC. <laughs> <laughs> well, you ain't got to be PC over here. So, <laughs> and I mean, but the thing is, like I said, that's what I like so much about your message. You you cannot help but look at a fetching feathers post. Uh, an image or anything and not stop and appreciate it because it is simply real point blank period ain't no filter ain't no edits ain't no none of that it's just real soulful like very aware spiritually aware bird dogs and bird hunting and i'm i'm sorry man i i see a little bit too much uh in 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 light of uh like products and and Somebody got to have a, a 15, 16 man limit and blah, 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 blah. Like, that's cool. But <laughs> like, I and it's interesting. I will scroll past all the photos and stuff like that that are just like mounds of birds and stuff like that. Man, I want to see the more personal images. You know, I want to okay, see. Now, let, let, let me play devil's advocate with you. And I think that you'll agree on, with me on this. Mm -hmm. In fact. There was mounds of birds. Mm -hmm. That's fine because mounds of birds is cool. Don't I'm all right. I yeah. love mounds of birds. It's good eating. But yeah. The commentary on the mound of bird, the caption on the mound of bird, mm -hmm. is that which of mound of bird. Mm -hmm. Now, if the story, if the if there was a story behind the picture of the setup or the landowner and right. how it transpired and the truck getting stuck. And showing up late and mm -hmm. this and that. Like, if there was a story, like a body right. behind that mound of birds, I would love that. Oh, right. Let me know what went into it. Right. How, who, who are these guys hunting with you? Mm -hmm. Bunch of buddies, family? What was the occasion? How long were you spotting these birds? What time of year was it? Mm -hmm. The migration had just started. What flyway were you in? Was mm -hmm. there a cold front that came? Like, give me, tell me the story. Right. The, 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 the damsel... Always, we already know what happens to the damsel at the end. We already know what happens with all the dead ducks, right? Mm -hmm. That the damsel at the end, we know it. But what, what happened before that? Right. You know, and that's that's what I've tried to embody is the process. Yep. Uh, embrace the grind. Right. You know, revel in the journey. Like there's so much that happens between A and Z. Yep. Why would we skip all of that? That's that fun. Mm -hmm. Well, so. and it, the reason that a lot of people are skipping over it is, you know, people are all are, are, are results oriented instead of being process or so you I mean, the results are cool. They're there. But yes, and I appreciate you playing devil's advocate because I do agree with that. Yeah, I'll sit and look at it, you know, if Anthony Farrow has mounds of birds because I also know Anthony Farrow is going to give me content. You see what I'm saying? You're known yep, for yep. that. You are, um, you, you're, you're known for that and, and you have a habit of delivering content. So I, somebody like me, a new hunter, I can trust that you're going to give me more than just boom, 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 go home. Oh, yep. I, I mean, yep. 
what okay great yeah i mean shit if you if you want me to be impressed with your shooting and and what you knock out of the air bro we can save our time money and gas and go to the clays course <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, that's cool. We can take these Berettas out and <laughs> we can go toe-to-toe. But when I'm out there in the field with you, yeah, I want to I wanna put plenty birds in, in, the, uh, in the freezer. Yes, I'm not going to say I don't. When I'm walking out there and I'm, like you said, crunching uh, switchgrass and getting my, my, my legs tore up by thorns and all kinds of stuff, those little details... You know, take take a, a a a very 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 trivial idea of killing something. It's a very small idea, and it magnifies it to an entire narrative. And then I can appreciate. Okay, you killed it. Great, because I know you did the work. That's right. You know, I, I agree. Yeah. You know, one one big thing. Um, that AJ and I have been talking about. Matter of fact, and I wrote my last article on it was. Um, hunting uh, bobwhite quail in the South, and they're not gone. Well, my issue is I see so many people that that you go hunt one WMA, two WMAs, public land, so on and so forth, don't find no birds for days, and all of a sudden they're just gone. They're just they're just they're just gone. There ain't no birds in the South. No man, maybe it takes you three, four, five days to find those birds. You know, you got to put the time and the work in, though. You see what I'm saying? You went with, we were shooting in the gym? Right. <laughs> uh-huh. well, look, you didn't, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't pull the Drake on him, did you? You didn't, you didn't pull the Drake on him, did you? <laughs> I, just, I totally didn't. <laughs> you didn't pull the Drake on him, did you? I, I, I smell exactly what you said. Hey, man, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I, I, this whole season, um, you know, I have definitely made it a point. I have made it a point to prove to people, not out of selfish ambition or anything, prove to people that a new hunter like myself, been in it three, three and a half years going on, I can go out and hunt with the best of them because like you, I'm going to walk my butt off, keep kicking dirt. To make sure that I attain a goal. And my goal right now is to make sure that these Bob White Quail are seen and found. I don't, I don't, I don't, shooting them is cool. Great. That's fine. But my biggest thing is I enjoy the journey. You know, I done hunted here uh, all all up and down the state of Georgia and, and in and out of Alabama. Found plenty cover. Found poop on the ground. You see what I'm saying? Like bird poop and all kinds of stuff like that. It's all of that stuff. It's the experience of being able to, you know, one one big thing for me recently, um, hunting in, in Alabama, you know, it, it was in, it was impressed. I impressed myself because I was able to identify quail poop. You see what I'm saying? And from that point made my dog's job easier because I could then send him on a track in, 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 in a particular direction. You know, it's improvements like that. You're improving the process. You're getting out there. Yeah, hell yeah, my legs hurt right now, Anthony. Before we got on the phone and I was rushing home, you know, we did a, a, a half a day hunt, putting in six miles, fourteen some flights of stairs, and all kinds of stuff. I mean, man, my my legs are shot. And guess what? If I can do it tomorrow, I'm gonna get my butt up and do it tomorrow. 
Guess what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> Going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and I mean, it's it's just the process, man. And I definitely just appreciate you for just being real about it. And and that goes into my next question, my next listener question, actually. Um, I want to address sure. these guys. Um, Ernest Feds three twenty one. He asked me, and he asked me to ask you, what is the best advice that you can give for a new upland hunter and a German short hair pointer owner from South Texas? What you got for him? Okay. Uh, good question. I would say a couple of things. Uh, number one, identifying, it sounds like you don't own land. So the first step that I would do is identifying my public access. Where do I have places that I can go publicly that I don't have to spend money with a rancher? You can go do that at your local fishing gang. You can do that on your Texas Wildlife Department website. The second thing I would do to back that is there is such thing as a bird biologist at every mm-hmm. fishing game in every state in the entire United States. Mm-hmm. You call them. You say, I'm a new upland hunter with a German short hair pointer, and I'm trying to find the best chance to get on some quail for my dog. Yep. And they will say, go this direction. At that point, drop the tailgate, kick dirt. Right. Um, so identify where you can hunt and what's around you, how far you're willing to drive, what species are you after. Granted, I don't know where you are in Texas, but there's a good chance you're bobs and, and scale quail. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I would do that. Secondly, we live in a social media world. Get on your local Texas uh, GSP page. Get on your local county upland hunting page. Put it out there. There's a lot of trolls. There's a lot of jerk-offs on the internet, but whatever. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. Hey, new to upland hunting, would love to tag along with somebody. Hey, would love to do a partner training with somebody on Saturday. Lunch on me. Like, Put yourself out there. Yep. Um, you can't catch fish if your line's not in the water. So, oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Get after it. Yep. Yep. Oh, my God. You can't catch fish if your line is not in the water. I like that. Man, right? you, we, we, you talk about marketing. Hell, we need to make a, a Fetch and Feathers uh, cool, cool uh, quotes book. <laughs> I mean, uh, as a matter of fact, Believe it or not, I actually have a journal that is only inspirational quotes, whether it be mine or music or a quote I read in a book, and I refer to it. I go back to it in moments, whether I'm, I'm feeling insecure or, or, or I'm down on myself or I'm, I'm struggling with dogs. I have a book that I write quotes in to kind of help me uh, realign my process. So, wow. Uh, I would imagine a few of these I've said I probably have in here. <laughs> Man, you know what? You know what that is? That is the gun dog notebook, Anthony. That's literally what I did to start my, my gun dog notebook was observations, you know, writing down process, you know, stuff, stuff about the dog, stuff to keep me motivated songs. That's the gun dog notebook, man. Yep, so you get it. This this will uh, you'll get a kick out of this. Then I'll just uh, first page, my 2018 field book. Um, I do the date where I hide, where I hunted. I do my miles and my steps. How many floors I incline and decline. Yeah. How many calories I burned. Then I have gnarly's miles, radar miles. How many wow. birds were flushed as a group on a day. How many I harvested as a group. How many the group harvested total, and then the journal entry. Wow. Every single hunt, every single day. Because 
I want to know how many human miles I put in this year, how mm-hmm. many dog miles my dogs put in this year, how many birds I harvested in that amount. Not only that, but I put like the weather phase. Yeah. I put the elevation that I'm finding these birds at in this particular weather. It's my black book. I mean, I can go back to it for many years. Not only that, but it's like we said, like this is the stuff I want to leave behind. Yep. I, 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 want, I want somebody somewhere to find this composition book and yep. open it and say, holy smokes. Yep, yep, yep. That's, so and that's it's, it's just gold. Man, I, I started the same way as you, man. I took, you know, when I started the Gundog Notebook, I it, I literally just picked up a black and white composition book and with no intended, intention on the name actually doing anything, just wrote the Gundog Notebook and it was just a field journal. You know, and, from, and I was logging everything like you did. And, you know, Bud Moore, he's a very, 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 um, very famous bird dog trainer. Uh, he, he, I think it's KansasBirdDogs.com, um, field trials, all kinds of stuff. Well, I'm watching one of his uh, DVDs, man, and it's it's great stuff. It's nothing super, super professional, this and that, but it's real information. And the best thing that I heard Bud Moore say, if it, it, it doesn't exist if it wasn't written down. It it just doesn't. That that dog didn't do it. That bird didn't do it. If it wasn't written down, it's a good mentality. Yep, yep. I mean, but you you have to have it because what we do so much and so often is habitual. It it is educational. You know what I'm saying? It's it's all of that. So and and what I want to do, what I think is going to be dope one day is. I would love to see my my kid or my grandkid years down the line, like when when we all came hunting, I'm just thinking about it and dreaming about it. I want my kid to pick up my gun dog notebooks, man, and just say, this is how dad or this is how granddad did it. This is how he he made his dogs. You know, I, I, I just, that would really, really, really just seal the deal for me. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah no, I agree. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, the legacy that we have, and shoot, man, hell, I don't walk six point three some miles a day. I want somebody to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready for this? I was just reading this. Blow your mind. Yeah. Uh, September first uh, this year in California Park in Colorado, I did twelve point nine four miles, twenty five thousand seven hundred sixteen steps. 107 floors up, 115 floors declined, and 4,500, 8,600 calories burned. God, boy, you are Iron Man. <laughs> Jesus. That, that's opening day. <laughs> Dude, that's disgusting. God, man, that is, that's wild. And, and okay, so you had 12-something miles there. Man, how much did your dogs put on? Uh, Gnarly did 15 and Radar did 16 that day. Man. Day two, the following day, I did 11. Gnarly did 12. Radar did 14. Um, you know, for a long time I used to be in this, like, oh, my dog ran 28 miles today. And I'm like, and I only shot one bird, you know? Right. <laughs> then I started to think for my dogs instead of for myself. Yep. Oh, look, my dog's ranging at 780 yards. Cool, bro. Where's the birds at? Right. Anyway, right. Um, I would rather my dogs run fewer miles and produce more birds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
which was a foreign concept to my testosterone pumping through my head when I had my first bird dog. And I had yeah. all this stuff to prove. Oh, my dog's name's Harley, and I'm Anthony. Rah, yeah. rah, rah. Nobody cares, dude. Shut yeah. up. You know? <laughs> and that's just how it is. Like, mm-hmm. um, so, I don't know, that was kind of kind of that process. Oh, man, I'm, I'm here for it. I mean, when we get... When we get out of our own, you know, high horse and get off of cloud nine and really get back into the into the field, you start to figure it out. And I mean, that's just that's just efficient math right there. Like, okay, yeah, I want plenty birds, but and it's great that my that your dog can run that many miles. That's awesome. That means your dog is in shape. But guess what? You running? I mean, you you still wear putting some wear and tear on them tires, man. And so, yeah, you have to, like you said, get smarter, get wiser, start thinking yeah. about the dog, learn the cover. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which is, we could have an entire episode on field management. I, I could talk about field management and walking and managing a field mm-hmm. for five hours straight. It's one of the particular things about me um, in, in the uplands is field management, which mm-hmm. is why I prefer to hunt alone most of the time. Yep. Nothing personal to anybody, but... I'm not going to say people don't know how to walk a field. People don't walk a field the same way I do. Right. I don't walk a field the same way other people do. Right. And oftentimes, it, we can be so much more productive and save human and dog miles. Mm-hmm. But again, um, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know. It, some people are just a little bit deeper than others and see and think and are cognizant of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and understanding when and where the truck is, and how far away from the truck we've already walked, right. what our water supply looks like, how far away currently are we from the truck, how much daylight is left in the day, mm-hmm. things about when we should start turning back towards the truck, what's beneficial from the dog standpoint in regards to running cover, while still staying in bird-rich cover environment. I'd rather have left to right to right to left winds than winds where the dogs can't smell anything. Right. Dogs are ranging at 150, 200 yards back. They naturally want to work back to your face to point, which is great. I love that point in between me and, 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 and the bird. But oftentimes when they're when they're quartering like that, they're coming back, they're pushing birds when right. they're trying to find wind. So uh, it's just all those little things about field management and how to walk and when people should pivot, noticing pinch points like – how are you guys all not noticing you're all walking and getting ready to all run into each other? Yeah. There's a pivot. There's a fence line here. So whoever's on the outer edge needs to sit still. Everybody else swings around. We form a new line and we continue to walk. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's like dealing with elementary school kids in an aisle. Right. And, and, and that's not, I, I, again, I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody, but there is truly, yeah. somebody needs to write a book. And I'm sure there is, and I'm not a scholar to know enough, but field management. Yeah. Now, it every needs, situation, it needs to be, it every needs terrain, to be every yeah. part of the country, there's certain things that you have to do in order to, to understand field management. Here might be something fun to talk about. I got shot three or four days ago in the field. Yeah. And this is a great lesson for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, new, old, we, you, side note. You can put this in either one of these episodes that you want to, but this is, I think, the tenured Anthony Farrow that hunts all the time. Yeah, yeah. I got shot. Shit happens. Why don't you learn from this? So yeah. maybe if you want to segue into some sort of this conversation, <clears throat> but this might be some good content for people. Cool. Run it. What you got? Listen. All right. So uh, 
actually am out at Mr. Chuck's house mm-hmm. uh, for the second time. He had us come out there, and we're chasing quail. And these quail, we are in sagebrush. And we're hunting um, a bunch of sagebrush. It's flat, basically. Mm-hmm. And these California quail, they, they run all through it. There's um, a running river. Uh, maybe I should say it's a creek. It's a small body of running water. Right. And uh, <laughs> it's quail habitat is what I'm trying to say. Uh-huh. So uh, everything's looking good. These 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 Californias, they're much bigger than scale quail mm-hmm. and and bob whites, and their legs are much longer, and them suckers run like roosters. Yep. So your dog goes on point, and there's a lot of relocation for the dogs. Um, and I've got some questions. Well, you said whoa, and your dog's starting to move. Well. I also just give a nice lick like I'm talking to a horse, right. and that will release my dog. Secondly, my dog's got the nose I don't. Right. So if he doesn't have full scent come, I'm going to trust my dog and say, all right, go ahead. Tell me where they're at. Tell me where he's at. Right? Yeah. Listen to your dog. Yes. So these birds are running. Boom. Cover your eyes. Gets up. Two birds go down. We got three dogs working dead birds. We all marked this one in the same area, so we all convened in the same area, dead, dead, yada, yada, yada. And I'm, at this point, I'm like, whatever. I'm not going to stand here with y'all for 15 minutes. There's three dogs here. You didn't hit it as hard as you thought. That bird done ran off. Right. So I back on my outer edge, and there's a big sage bush, six foot plus tall scrub brush that I'm, I'm standing behind, and we're all still in the line. Well, what I was getting at is when these birds, the McCovey butts, they, they, they bust into singles. And much they, they, they react much like scale quail do after a covey rise. And this is why I love hunting quail so much is because the singles hold for days. Mm-hmm. They do they not want to get up. Hold, hold, hold. So we're standing there for 10 minutes. And little did we know there's four or five singles that were right around us while the dogs are searching dead. So I go back out on my line. I'm going to call it... 25 yards from where they were. Yeah. And I'm standing there, gun breached, just hanging out. And they're standing to my left, and all of a sudden I hear Cubby, or I hear a you know, bird rise. I know, I know that sound. So I turn back and look to my left, and this other gentleman, Chuck, his barrel is pointed straight at my face. Oh. Uh, that, that little 12-gauge barrel looked the size of a cannon. I believe it. Uh, I made eye contact with his barrel. And I knew he was going to pull the trigger because I knew he didn't see me. And so as I'm leaning back, left, you know, looking over my left shoulder, I just went ahead, like slipping on a banana peel style and threw my legs out from under me and tried to fall backwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I and believe, as, yeah. I'm falling, as I'm falling, he takes a shot. And um, my whole entire left side, my legs, my ribs, my arm, my neck, an itch from my eye on my eyebrow, wow. two or three on my hat, my whole my whole left side. Um, and this is what I speak of in field management and situational awareness. Mm-hmm. Yes, we were all together looking for a dead bird. Yes, on my end, I made sure all of the gentlemen in my party knew I was going back on my edge. Right. So it, it wasn't like, well, I didn't know you went back out there. Hey, boys, I'm headed back out on my edge. You let me know when we start walking again. Okay, cool, Anthony. Second thing, where is your line? Know your line. Know where your people are. Regardless of us together looking for that bird, our line was still our line. And he knew the entire time that I was on the right edge. 
Right. And, and, and shooters, listen, if you know your buddy's on the right edge, but you don't see him, you should assume that he's on the right edge yep. because that's where he's been the whole day. Yep. Situational awareness. You know what? I totally could have smoked that bird, but I didn't know where you were at, man. Sorry. Right. Let your buddy let your buddy on the left end. Dude, why didn't you shoot that bird? Oh, man, I didn't know where Anthony was. Cool. Appreciate you mm-hmm. for not shooting me. We'll go find that single. Right. So mm-hmm. um, that's the second time I've in whatever, 14 years of, of up and hunting. Um, but it happens, guys. It mm-hmm. happens to everybody mm-hmm. at all times in the most safe parties. Mind you, the minimum age of the gentleman I was hunting with was like 68. Woo! Okay? I am yeah. with three tenured hunters. Right. Sixty still 60 happens. Stuff. 66, it's... 68, and 71. Yep. Okay, I got shot by a 68-year-old man that's been doing this his entire life. Right. It happens. I mean, not that it's good, but you have to be aware. I mean, Situational yeah. awareness, yep. management of the field, It it is, I can't, I'm okay. I'm not mad at the guy. Yeah. I'm alive. I'm not nothing. Everything's fine. It is a good learning experience. Learn from my end of thing. Right. Maybe what I could have done different because I have to, I have to take responsibility for what I could have done different on my end. Cause all I can change myself in that situation. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, 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 I swallow my patience and I stand there until everybody agrees. Okay. Let's keep walking. Right. Right. And so maybe, maybe, maybe get out of your own frustration in the field because there's birds flying everywhere and you're impatient like I am and your dog's on your GPS 130 yards away knowing he's going to go on point soon. Mm-hmm. Slow down, humble yourself, wait for the group, go back out to your line and walk. Right. I could have done some things different to prevent that as well. So we, we just got to be aware. Yep. Accidents happen um, and thank the good Lord that it wasn't fatal and I didn't lose my left eye. And, uh, it or has... worse or anything else you know i mean i had some some welts on me no no broken skin nothing stuck in me right. if it wasn't for that six foot tall bush uh we'd be having a different conversation mm-hmm. they'd have had to pull some bb's out of me but that bush took the most of it and, and that's, that's it man that's kept it pushing they were like oh let's go back and I said, this field is loaded with quail. You think I'm going to go back to the truck and I'm not bleeding? Y'all are crazy. Y'all have lost your So I ended up, ended, up sh- ended up shooting three birds before we got back to the truck myself. So it made it worth it for hey, me. I was like, ah, I'm 15 BBs for three birds? I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> well, and, and Anthony, that's, that's so funny that you brought that story up. So um, where we were hunting out today, me and my buddy Josh, my best friend, he... Um, we, we had been hunting all day, all day, all day. Hadn't really seen any birds and stuff like that. And so we're walking back to the truck. What happens? My dog ends up um, kind of catching scent of one of the quail that were out. And I I, I, I want to say it was probably a released bird because it was some folks that were running or doing some, some bird dog training down the way from us. Um, and I think one of his birds kind of just skirted off and, and happened to land in our area. Well, bird, my dog ends up flushing into it or whatever. Bird ends up flying around. And when I tell you that bird flew through me, I'm, I'm sorry, through, flew through my friend Jacob, flew through me, and I'm turning on the shot. Who is in front of me? My best friend, Josh. Barrel back. And I was like, you know what? No, nope, we're not going to take that shot right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not going to do that. And because number one, it's it's just not worth it, man. Like whatever the case may be, 
we didn't we assumed that that bird came from the the trainers or something like that 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 were down the way but whatever the circumstances man that bird wasn't worth shooting the bird was too low number one so if if somebody wasn't shot a a dog could have very well got shot it's it's just not worth all of that man and that's what happens when you are so kill oriented you see what i'm saying you thinking too much about the kill you know the the gentleman that ended up you know, um peppering you it, it, I can at least say there was a, a a a big tree in front of it. You see what I'm saying? Some some sage in front of him, and and you were blessed enough to have that eat most of that mm-hmm. shot. But how many times can people say that they've been in that situation and there was a tree in front of them? Not very many. No, I got lucky. Yeah, hundred percent got lucky. Right, and so as as upland hunters, it's cool to look the part, man. But we have got to, like, to your point, understand and be cognizant of field management, situational awareness, the dog. We and, and it's the simple "don't shoot till you see blue" rule. Just it's just that easy. So you know, we we that's a whole we can go on a lot about that because that's not the first time I've had that happen, and it wasn't me. That was pointing the barrel another time. You see what I'm saying? (laughs) Now, fortunately, that person did not pull. But I understand when you say, "Okay, yeah, that twelve, that twelve gauge looked like a a a a cannon." I get it. Yeah, it was huge. It was huge. (laughs) So as we wrap up, man, I wanted to talk about Flambo, man. Like, what what opportunities do you have coming up with them? Um, Flambo. is just now coming out with their new gunning series mm-hmm. decoys, fully flock mallards, or gunning series decoys. And uh, I got a call uh, saying, "Hey, we're doing this little short film with Northwoods Collective mm-hmm. for our new gunning de- gunning series decoys." And we asked them, like, "Who is an up and coming guy in the bird world?" And they had suggested me, and I got to talk with Flambo, and they're like, "Yeah, we're about it. We like you. Let's do this." Okay. So we did a three-day duck hunt over their new decoys, um, and that short film will be coming out before the new year. Nice. And Northwoods Collective is the, you know, does all of the production for Project Upland as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, it's all kind of an affiliation. So that's kind of where that happened. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Duck Camp Co. Yep, yep, yep. Those guys are cool. I, I really like what they're doing nowadays. But, yeah, go ahead. Duck Camp Co. reached out to me and said, dude, love your content. We want to send you one of our shooting shirts. Tell me what you think. You know, send us some pictures. So I did that, and that went really well. And we started to have some discussions, um, and there's an opportunity um, that, that I might be able to have with them. In regards to helping them push on the upland side of things, okay. they're fairly new into that side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also into I'm going to Texas in two weeks, and I just so happened to go to Texas to see the lady, and I get a hunt set up, and my buddy John Humble's like, "Hey, why don't you come down?" He bought the they, they call it the Lost Prairie in Texas. It's it's absolutely beautiful for wing shooting. And um, I guess uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name. Somebody um, higher up with Duck Camp Co. And then um, I don't know if you're familiar with McKenna Quinn. Yep, I sure am. Yep. 
okay, the somebody or is uh, somebody or affiliated or whomever is going to be there as well. So I'm doing a little duck camp, McKenna Quinn hunt in Texas in mm. two weeks. Mm. Um, Onyx hunts, thanks. Looking, they just reached out to me. Same deal. Like, dude, your content is great. You're crushing the bird market. We want to put you on an influencer program. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's bottom of the barrel, but the foot's in the door, and that's all I have ever needed, not because I'm great, but because I kick dirt. Yes. Because I refuse to quit because I am passionate and I am genuine. So, uh, um, they gave me a shot in the influencer program. I'm going to keep doing as much as I can and putting good content out these relationships and give the glory to God and follow my dog, shoot birds, go to sleep, wake up, and do it again. Man, that's, that's what it is. That's what it is. I